You're now listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your host, Brandon Hall and Thomas Caselli, coming to you live from Denver. We're out here on a partnership retreat. What we're going to be discussing on today's episode of the podcast is the potential or the proposed, rather, Biden tax changes. Uh, maybe a little bit late to the party, but we wanted to release an episode because we did receive a lot of questions on those potential changes and what that might mean for real estate investors. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in. And I think it's important to point out that these changes are currently being negotiated in Congress. We don't actually have any formal bill yet, uh, but we are expecting a formal bill in June or July. So we'll have a lot more information at that point as to what actually makes it through negotiations, which of these proposals makes it through and, and whether or not they made it through unscathed or if they were changed at all. Absolutely. But one thing to just to know what the proposed changes do tell you is the direction that they want to take it um, and what the potential stuff that you might be impacted on. So first big change for investors of all types comes down to the increased capital gains tax rate that for people who have AGIs, or, so adjusted gross incomes in excess of a million dollars, your capital gains rate would jump to 39.6% on the high end. So what that means for investors today is that you're basically going to be paying another 19.6% in capital gains tax on a long, long-term capital gains tax if you're earning over a million dollars. And for investors who have very large capital gains from appreciated properties, that's going to potentially impact you. Yeah. So it's only on gain in excess of a million dollars, right? Is if, if your AGI is over a million dollars, then you, you're in that 39%. 0.6% bracket. Right. Okay. So once your total income then hits $1 million, that's when this max tax rate jumps up. So it's 39.6%. But you also have the um, the net investment income tax. It's an additional 3.8% surtax that you would be paying at that point too. So you're really looking at, what is that? 43%, yeah. 42? Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. You'd be looking at like 43, 43 and a half. And then you have, then you have state as well, right? So all of our Californians, you, you've got this is an extra eleven or thirteen percent in New York City. You've got an extra three point eight percent in New York City. Um, so it's it could easily creep up to like forty five. Like I'm sure for some people, even uh, you know fifty percent or more. Yeah, fifty five, sixty percent, even if this gets passed. And and again, it's only it's only on I'll just say income in excess of a million dollars capital gain income. If your total income is in excess of a million dollars. So if you're below the million dollar AGI, then you're okay. But if you're above that and you liquidate, you know, stock or real estate or anything like that, then you're going to be faced with this really high tax rate. And so what, what's the obvious answer then? How do you avoid this? Well, you just hold the assets forever, right? Until you die. Because when you die, you get that stepped up basis and it eliminates the gain. However, the Biden administration has a provision to basically hit any any gain gain I think in excess yeah. of a million dollars, uh, you don't get a stepped up basis. So 
they know that you will just hold the asset until you die. And, and the way to then curb that is to say, well, on the gain in excess of a million dollars, you're actually not going to get a stepped up basis at all. So you're going to have to pay, your, your heirs will inherit your original basis, and then there will be some sort of estate tax levied there. So, so you can't just hold it anymore. We're assuming that if they pass one of these, they'll pass both of these too. Because yeah. otherwise you would just hold the asset forever until you died. And then the 39.6% increased rate would not really play a large role. And actually there was a study done. I don't remember who did the study. Uh, it was recent. It was really recent. There was a study done that looked at what happens if you just use the increased gain uh, that 39.6% and you don't do the step up basis and, and it actually created a deficit is like, like it, it was a very low amount of revenue. But once you eliminate that step up basis, the tax revenue is humongous or, or jumps up into the billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. So if one of these happens, the other one will happen as well. And you'll have to get a little more creative on your exit planning. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think what what we're going to see if these two things are passed in conjunction is a renewed uh, importance on estate planning. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of, you know, over the last few uh, years with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, with the exemption being so high, 11.8, it's index for inflation, but for 2021, I'm pretty sure it's 11.58 million per person. So if you're a couple, you're looking at, you know, around 23 million or so, give or take. And that's a significant amount. So for most people, you know, the average couple is not going to have to worry about estate planning so much. But one of the other changes that they want to bring about is potentially decreasing that exemption from 11.8 million down to 3.5 million. That's the number that's proposed. And then increasing the estate tax rate from 40% to 45%. So when you kind of combine all these things together here, my guess is that if this stuff is passed, you're going to see a lot more people looking to how can they remove assets from their estate and move them into, like, say, irrevocable trusts, get them out of the estate, let them appreciate in the irrevocable trust so that they can somewhat curb the hit on that $3.5 million estate tax exemption, which is pretty low, comparatively speaking. So My understanding is that the the Biden administration in their proposals has addressed usage of trusts. Uh, in connection with the elimination of the stepped-up basis, because they basically don't want you hiding assets in trusts uh, if they're going to go and raise the top tax rate to 39.6% for long-term capital gains. So just be aware of that. I don't know to the extent... I, d- I didn't dive into it to really truly understand what they were trying to do. And everything that I just said, I could be misspeaking right now. <laughs> uh, but But as these proposals come out, as these bills come out, um, get with your tax advisor and just make sure that you understand the full scope. Because I think that as it pertains to property with built-in appreciation, built-in gain, it might get a little harder to shelter that eventual tax burden under the Biden administration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you definitely want to speak to your advisor because you want to take a holistic approach here. Because if you're a high income earner, you're earning over a million dollars, you have a lot of assets, you're a high net worth individual, there's going to be some things you're going to want to pay attention to. Or one thing you also got to it depends on where you are in your life right now too because you know for example you know if you're 30 40 50 years old you know this might not be a big deal because i mean look you know if if, if this gets proposed and this gets passed and someone comes into office you know a new administration comes into office in 2024 2028 or whenever there's a chance that they change the rules and mm-hmm. they might change them back and now all of a sudden you're sitting here with a huge estate tax exemption again and the estate their tax rate might be lowered potentially in the future 
Um, so you have to sit down and talk to your advisor about where you're at, how this stuff's going to impact you specifically. Yeah. And the, the process on this is going to be kind of interesting too. So Biden has promoted a bipartisan approach to these tax changes. But the reality is, is that th- there might be a bipartisan approach to some of the really small changes, but the Republicans are going to block. That's their intent to block uh, any changes that the Biden administration proposes. So the Biden administration then will look to the budget reconciliation process, and they have a slim majority in Congress so they can get it done through the budget reconciliation process. Basically, what that means is they can force these changes through um, without any consent from the Republican side. However, because of the slim majority that they have in Congress, they can't afford any defections from their own base. So it'll be interesting to see how Biden kind of pulls all the Democrats together and what what changes end up occurring. Like like I know one that's a sticking point for California, New York, and uh, maybe New Jersey. The, the congressmen and women have already banned together and said we're not signing any tax reform proposal bill, anything unless it includes a provision to remove the salt cap limitations yeah. that were put in place in 2017. Those salt cap limitations capped everybody that was taking itemized deductions at $10,000 for property taxes and income taxes. Yeah. And for people that live in California, New York, and New Jersey, you know, you're, if you're itemizing deductions, you're looking at your property tax bill, you're looking at your, your state income taxes, and you're often in the 20, 30, 40, $50,000 range. But with the 2017 changes, you could only take the first 10,000. So what some of the democratic congressmen and women have done is they've band together and they've said, we're not going to sign anything that the Biden administration pushes out unless they include a provision to remove that $10,000 cap. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, I don't expect, based on w- what I understand about the process and political sentiment, I don't, I don't expect there to be a very, very much done in the, w- with a bipartisan approach, but it'll still be interesting to see how much he's able to push through even with his own base. You know, I was reading an article and those people that are in Congress are, you know, are, I think the average age or something's like 58 or something like that in the 50s. And they would be disincentivized to actually sign a bill like this because these proposed changes, I, you know, these are very aggressive. And obviously they just proposed at this point. So they want to put forth their biggest asks so that when it gets chopped down, if it gets chopped down a little bit or on the negotiating table that they put themselves in the best position to get what they want. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that in Congress, they might not actually be able to pass this because people in Congress would be negatively affected by this. So why would they do that? You know, why would they vote against this? That's the theory. So we'll see. guess we'll see how it plays out. So let's talk about the 1031 exchange. That is another change that has been proposed. And, and that's a change that's going to affect a lot of real estate investors. The proposal is that you cannot defer gain in excess of $500,000. Do you know if that includes 1245 and 1250 recapture? I, I don't know. I, Is it total I, gain? Or I've, just... I've not looked into it that deeply yet. I don't know that they, that they would address that. I don't know if they addressed that in the bill yet. But I mean, $500,000, you know, people have highly appreciated properties, whether or not it includes it or not. It's still, you know. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's one thing that I actually didn't look for either because I've just kind of been reading the the high level stuff at this point. I haven't actually dove into it. So I don't, I don't know if it includes depreciation recapture. That's what the 1245 and 1250 recapture that I just mentioned is. It's depreciation recapture. And that, that creates additional gain, right? I can buy a property for $100,000. And if I depreciate it by $20,000, I 
then my basis is $80,000. If I then sell it for $100,000, I have a $20,000 gain because my basis was $80,000 because I depreciated it, even though I sold the property for exactly the same amount that I bought it for. And that gain is called depreciation recapture. I Normally, you can 1031 depreciation recapture, so you can roll everything forward. Yeah, uh, You can roll the depreciation recapture forward. You can roll the capital gain forward that comes from appreciation. I, I would be surprised if if they were only targeting the capital. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's probably the entire thing. So, so anyway, it's, it's capped at five hundred thousand. So if you you can still ten thirty one exchange property that has gain less than five hundred thousand, but the proposal is that you cannot exchange property with gain in excess of five hundred, or you can, but the portion of that uh, of that gain is going to be taxable immediately. And obviously, that would that would hurt the real estate industry. That would uh, that would hurt the ten thirty one exchange industry. The 1031 exchange industry has already lobbied. They're already banded together to start their lobbying. I mean, they, they are, they're always doing it, but they've ramped it up. They've asked for help from helping, I believe, donations too, from just real estate investors in general. And, and I saw an interesting study recently. It might've been by Ernst & Young, but it was a study that basically looked at the 1031 exchange industry. And they looked at how many jobs in the 1031 exchange industry would be wiped out if this rule was put in place. And then they kind of like backed into, you know, those people will no longer have income, which, you know, I don't, I don't think is totally true because they would go find new jobs. But the idea was like, what's the actual net tax impact? And it was, I believe it was like negatively impactful after you factor in all the job loss that would occur in the 1031 exchange industry because they would consolidate. They wouldn't need nearly as much. Yeah, there'd be less transactions taking yeah, place. Yeah, less transactions. It would fall outside of the scope of that 500K limitation. So, I'm not sure if that's a 500, is that 500K per property? I think it's per I think, property. I think it's a per property. Okay. So it's, you know, if you're going to do a 1031 exchange, you're going to have a 500K limit. And I think the way it goes is you just pay tax on the re- the, the gain above the 500K. So you're deferring 500K. Yeah. That's how I've been interpreting what I've been reading. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if anything actually happens with this because I, I know that 1031s come up, you know, in, in every administration. Should we change the 1031 code? And the reason for that is you've just got leagues of attorneys that are scouring the tax code and really just trying to find ways to raise tax revenue. And so eliminating the 1031 or, or proposing that is a good way to immediately raise a lot of tax revenue. But it, it's it's held up over time. So I don't, I don't know that anything will actually change. But that said, I mean, it has been kind of under attack. I mean, the last administration changed the, how 1031s worked. They you know, very clearly said that it's only real property. And then they said that you can exchange up to 15% of your tangible in, personal property. In, yeah, incidental personal property. So so they, they've been kind of attacking it and making changes. So it, it might change. Yeah, but you know, if this stuff did come to fruition, uh, you got to look at it. Okay, if you don't have the 1031 exchange or you're extremely limited by it, you have an increased capital gains tax. You know, those two things would incentivize people to hold on to their properties longer, right? And that means less transactions in the marketplace. So that means less supply on the market because people don't want to sell. And assuming the demand stayed constant, um, you know, you're going to have potentially even more higher prices potentially. So you tell me that I should buy at today's extremely high prices? I mean, look, you got to look at everything. This is just looking at the tax in isolation. You also then you got to look at what happens if interest rates get increased. If interest rates get increased, you might have a, a decrease in demand yeah. for real estate. Which might counterbalance this, which may be all part of some master plan that. What about yet? I'm just speculating here completely. So here, so it's we're we're in. As Tom mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, myself and my three partners are here in Boulder, Colorado, 
for the week. We're doing a partner offsite and then be making some changes to the firm and improving it and systems and that type of thing. We're really excited about it. Uh, but one of the things that we were talking about was you know, we all we we own real estate and we were talking about how the valuations of the real estate that we own have increased. And we're all like, yeah, we, we could sell, but then what do you do? It's the classic, you know, where, where, where do you park the cash after that? What do you do? And that now you've got all this cash, but now what do yeah. you do? <laughs> you can sell your primary residence and, uh, and then what? You're and then you go, have to go buy another yeah, you're one. You're going to go buy another same, in, in this hot market. Yeah. yeah. So you're just, you're just, you know, you're not really cashing out really. Right. Right. Just kind of, up, yeah, yeah. I guess getting a refresh, but, but anyway, if these, if these tax changes pass, like Tom said, it could further limit supply. And, uh, and that's, that's, what's important to understand is that it, it could just further limit supply, which would further increase the price disparity that we're seeing right now. Yeah. And then, you know, when you do take a look at the elimination of stepped up basis and the increase of state stuff, you might say that might counterbalance it, but I would say for only some people, because let's face it, if you're like 40 years old and the elimination of the stepped up basis comes in, you might be willing to take the risk to continue to hold the property for a long time hoping that that'll, that stuff to basis does come back into play or it just doesn't, it's not the most hottest thing on your mind right now. So that might not counterbalance out as much as they think it will. Mm-hmm. Barring anything that would say that you can't use trust or limit the use of trust, I would just put all my stuff into trust. <laughs> no, not everything. We'll see. <laughs> um, it depends on how that, how trust law changes too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my take on this proposal. And, you know, it's one thing my conclusion is, is that it's going to raise taxes. If it does, if this stuff gets passed, that's a definitive conclusion on people who hold real estate and other highly appreciated assets. Yeah. So thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of the Real Estate CPA podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Um, but for right now, sit tight. And if you're scared of the biting changes, yeah, feel free to contact your tax advisor uh, to see how they might impact you in the future. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.